Hey guys, thanks for tuning into The Soundtrack, a podcast discussing film, television, and video game music with the fans, geeks, and super freaks. Welcome back to the show. It's your host, Zach Demas. This episode, we're talking about The Legend of Zelda, so I uh, hope you're excited. Uh, we're back to video games and the rotation again. And once again, my brother Alex is going to be my special guest. I mean, when we were growing up, we played a lot of the same video games, you know, and, you know, so I like having him on to talk about different stuff. We watched a lot of the same TV shows and stuff, too. But this one's a little bit more interesting in that Alex was always the one that kind of played the Legend of Zelda games. Um, I mean, we both played them, but he was the one I ended up always watching him play. Um, those games are so long, I don't think I had the, uh, the attention span to play some of those games. Um, Alex was always the one that was really into those, so he knows uh, as much, if not more, about the games and the music than I do. So, um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to hear his take, because he was the one. I've played, I've played most of them. But he's played a lot more than me. I think he's he's definitely played the uh, the originals. I don't think I ever uh, was able to get through uh, the first Legend of Zelda or uh, Zelda 2, The Adventure of Link. So yeah, it's going to be really cool um, hearing what he has to say about all that music since he played most of those games all the way through. And so this episode is going to, before I bring him on, it's going to be my top 10 or 11? Uh, yeah, 11. I think it's actually, we're going to go one step beyond this episode. Um, it's going to be my top 11 Legend of Zelda tracks throughout all of the video games. So, uh, sorry, you're probably your, your favorite track is not going to be on this list. Um, I tried to, uh, I tried my best to, with so many games in this franchise, to try and like pick one song, at least one thing from each game uh, or each console just to kind of mix things up a little bit. You know me, I'm kind of more for the nostalgic stuff, so I probably didn't really do a good job of, although I do, although I have listened to the music in the later games, um, I haven't played them, so I, I just don't think, the, the, I just don't think that that music has had as much meaning as much as uh, some of the older stuff. So yeah, I'm kind of more for the nostalgic stuff, but I really tried to kind of diversify and try to get some different stuff from different games. Um, also, it's just my favorite stuff, so, you know, if, if your favorite tune isn't on here, um, that's probably just because it's not one of my favorites. So, yeah, there's just so many different ways that you can take a, a, a top five or a top ten list or whatever. You know, you want to pick some tracks that represent the game well, like whichever video game it comes from. Um, but you also want to have, you know, your favorite tracks, the ones that represent you, like the ones that you closely, most closely identify with. And, you know, as I talked about with the Donkey Kong episode, too, you know, just taking uh, the best track from each element of the game, like the best battle music, the best uh, ending credits music, that kind of stuff. Um, and so, actually, I think I will have an end credits song in this episode. I think that's why I have 11, because um, I don't think I included one in the Donkey Kong uh, episode. So I'm kind of trying to make up for that. And I'll talk a little bit more about ending credits music in this episode. So yeah, that's coming up soon, but just a couple announcements for you before we get started. Did you know that these episodes, the Soundtrack Podcast, is now on YouTube? Uh, yeah, Mute City Music has its own channel on YouTube now, so please head over there and subscribe. Uh, like and comment and share the episodes that are already there. I've already, all the episodes uh, that I've already released are there on YouTube and they're in a nice little playlist for you. So you can just share it to whoever you want, uh, whoever might like video games, film, uh, TV, or any combination of those. So, so yeah, that's on YouTube. Um, I also have, I've probably talked about it a little bit before, but I am planning on having some other um, 
ideas for YouTube videos. I'm trying to get some different uh, series going. And so I've got a few ideas. And what I was hoping I could get you guys to do is see if you can vote. I'll put up like a fan poll on my Facebook page. And if you guys could go there and check it out um, and just kind of vote on, I'll post some different ideas for videos that I have, um, you know, some different creative stuff to just kind of flex my creative chops a little bit because um, I've been doing a lot of the analysis and stuff, but I haven't really been able to create any new anything new, so I want to create some new stuff for you guys. I mentioned it a little bit in the Patreon video. Um, I should probably go into a little bit more detail so you know why you're going over to the Facebook page to vote on anything. So I'm going to kind of give you a brief run-through of some of the ideas I have come up with and uh, let me know if you think these are cool or not. Um, and be honest, because I, I genuinely want to know. So I had the idea of maybe doing a series, um, something along the lines of like soundtrack rewrites or rearrangements, something where I like I take a film or or something else. I, I don't know really what it's going to end up being, but just something uh, that has like famous music or or maybe not good music. And I was thinking of maybe seeing if I could. I was going to see if I could maybe rewrite music for a scene or something like that, or maybe come up with a new theme song or something for a show, uh, that that kind of stuff. It's kind of, you know, this is still kind of up in the air. I really don't have any idea. Um, but these are just kind of, these are just kind of some ideas in the works, so just keep that in mind. Um, so that's on the creative side of things. That's kind of more what I was thinking. Um, just some, some new arrangements or some original music to go with something that's uh, some popular piece of media that already exists. Um, but then, as far as other other YouTube segment ideas, whatever, I'll probably do some vlogs on like uh, you know reviewing new releases, new movies, and and video games and stuff that have come out, and talking about the music there. Because um, I I mostly talk like I just said I I mostly talk about nostalgic stuff on here, so maybe it would be good for me to just do a whole series on just new releases and stuff like that. Um, also, I was thinking of maybe talking about scoring session news, um, the latest stuff that's going on with. Um, uh, film and TV and video game scoring, what's going on in the business right now. I also kind of had a fun little idea to maybe talk about jazz music in film and and different mediums because, you know, jazz is kind of, those are where my roots are. So I was kind of thinking maybe to talk more about jazz music and how that uh, and how that music has impacted the film industry and stuff like that. So I don't know, that's just some ideas. I'll post maybe a full list. Um, I, I'll try to get a finalized list of ideas that the things I think would be the best uh, to have on YouTube, but it's up to you. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna kind of leave it up to you guys to decide. Uh, so go to my Facebook page, uh, facebook.com/slash/mutecitymusicllc, and uh, I'll I'll have a fan poll there, and you can vote on uh, which ideas you think I should do um, and start making videos out of. Because I really want to get more stuff besides the podcasts uh, going on uh, my YouTube channel. So uh, let me know what you think. And uh, without any further ado, uh, let's get into talking about The Legend of Zelda. This is my top 11 Legend of Zelda pieces. Alright, since I didn't talk about an ending credits piece uh, in the Donkey Kong episode when I was going through my, my you know, chronological steps for making a, a great video game through music, um, I thought I would start with that category this time, and, and there's just no game uh, that I can think of, at least a Legend of Zelda game, that has better ending credits than A Link to the Past. You know, The Legend of Zelda and this character Link, you know, it's, a, it's kind of the stereotypical, you know, 
sword-wielding warrior, like a hero's journey, you know, like the sword-wielding warrior that goes after the princess, rescues the princess, um, and defeats the, you know, the uh, all-powerful dragon, or in this case, it's a sorcerer. So it's kind of like that kind of a story. It's pretty, sounds pretty typical, although it's got its own, uh, its own flair to it, which is why it's uh, so much more memorable. But the ending credits music for this in for this game in particular very much kind of falls in line um, with that narrative. So this piece features like a really broad fanfare at the very beginning, uh, you know, very brass-driven melody, um, and then right after that you hear kind of a little bit of a what we call a pedal point, which is where a bass note that keeps repeating, and then notes and rhythms are kind of changing over the top of it. So it creates this really interesting kind of chord progression. So, which kind of, in this case, if you listen to it without me talking over it, you can really hear, you know, the anticipation that's kind of building, even though it's, uh, even though this is an ending credit song, it still kind of has that, the hero's journey is never over type of a thing. So like, even though you've succeeded and, you, and you're victorious in this game, you know, you know there's gonna be another game that, uh, in this series that you're gonna wanna play and you know the story will continue so there's kind of that anticipation and just how the credits steadily roll you know up the screen or whatever you know the music kind of does that same thing it's just kind of steadily rolling along you know so there's like kind of a quick departure from the fanfare it's like yay you did it but then uh that pedal point little thing that happens right after it, it's kind of a suspension it kind of gives you a suspended sound that kind of throws you off a little bit it's kind of like it just doesn't feel you know complete we don't feel complete yet so yeah, there's this quick departure from the fanfare, and then it kind of goes off a little bit, and dynamically it kind of comes down, it's sort of soft and building again. It's very interesting, that's a very interesting approach to this composition, and again, you know, this is an ending credit song, so it's gonna be this, so this whole thing is entirely driven by music, the credits are driven by the music not the other way around. Normally, you know, the music for the game is, is revolves around the action, whatever's happening. So. This is one of those challenging times and maybe more fun chances for a composer in a video game to really explore um, the musicality of the game and to really, you know, this is like, you know, this is putting the, the game to a close too, so it kind of has to feel like it's still, it's summarizing what's happened in the rest of the game um, just through the music and, you know, there might be kind of a one last title crawl to kind of, you know, conclude the whole story, but it's really, this is driven by music, you're not playing the game anymore, so at this point, it should kind of feel like a movie in a way. So this is a time for a composer to really kind of explore and take the music in either a new direction or kind of use it to sum up the, the action that's just occurred, you know? So it, it's so ending credits music is probably one of the more interesting things to write for a game, and especially a game like this, like the typical hero's journey. So it should be, it should feel kind of cinematic in a way. So anyway, yeah, you'll hear that the music kind of takes a long time to resolve. Eventually the fanfare, the original theme, does come back, um, but it takes it kind of a long time. It kind of, there's this long departure away from that fanfare at the beginning. You know, a fanfare is not just brass driven, but it's very rhythmic too. There's, a, uh, there's heavy rhythmic undertones. Um, so it's just a great piece overall, and I think it's one of the best to uh, cap off a game. It's got such a great message to the player about, you know, you know, it has a sense of resolution, but also a sense of longing like it's not over yet, like you want to play the next game, you want to keep going and seeing where the story goes. So 
yeah, Link to the Past. Great game and uh, great ending credits music. That's probably all we're going to hear from this game because there's just so many games and so many different uh, songs to choose from in this, but I had to make sure I got that one in there. Number 10. So number 10 on my list is the great fairy fountain music that you hear in Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. You might also recognize this music because it's actually um, used as the file select music. So that's partly why I put this, this track on my list is because it has a couple of different functions in the game. It's kind of interesting. Uh, you hear it a couple of different times. So it's really kind of trippy when you hear a song from outside of gameplay uh, used within the game. It kind of you may not even really realize it, but it, it really has this cool effect, kind of like, oh, I've heard this, you know, I hear this every time I turn the game on. It's very light, and it's very colorful, it's very pretty. So that's why I kind of chose this song for the list, because of how simple it is and its dual functionality. It really serves its purpose well. And talking about it from a musical standpoint now, um, it's basically all it is is just like arpeggios. Uh, you know, it's just a continuous pattern of descending notes. And um, I think what really makes it great is uh, it just follows a really nice, simple chord progression. There's some elements introduced that you can kind of, that kind of add some interest to it. Um, it's really interesting. There's like kind of a little, you kind of hear a little MIDI uh, string, like violins kind of uh, sustaining over the top of it. So it kind of, you know, it kind of opens this thing up and it gives it a little bit of air. It makes it feel like it's really floating along. And then also the, the counter line that you hear underneath, um, it's not just interesting how it's harmonizing with the, uh, with the main melody, the main arpeggio that you're hearing. It's also extremely interesting what it's doing rhythmically. Each one of those counter lines is starting off the beat. There's kind of an uplifting, like kind of a forward motion to it underneath it kind of gives a little bit more motion so instead of because we're already hearing the main melody this main arpeggio it's basically on every you know every 16th note i think it's i think it's in 16th notes you know it's it's just constantly moving but then the counter melody underneath kind of when it starts on the upbeat like that it kind of gives it more of a forward motion and it's kind of it kind of has a more of a bounciness to it um, and then with the you know with the string sustained on top you've got three layers just in this really simple repetitive little thing you've got three very complementary parts and all that all sound great together and so even though you're mostly just hearing that same arpeggio over and over again um, there's a little bit added to it that kind of adds a little bit of extra interest so there's never in any composition uh, that's what I like about these Zelda tunes in particular is that every composition Every composition has something, you know, supporting. There's always great support for every melody. You know, nothing's really kind of left out to dry, except for one track that I'm going to play uh, later on this list. But most of the time, um, like, there's a purpose for everything in all these tracks. So, and there's a purpose to uh, this one, as simple as it is. There's everything, uh, even these two, like, kind of an upper and a lower part. And then the, uh, the main focus of the tune is sitting right in the middle of this uh, spectrum. Uh, like every part of the frequency range is kind of covered. You've got something high, something in the middle, and something a little bit lower. It's still, for the most part, it, it 
it gets its lightheartedness from generally being up higher anyway. So, so all the higher frequencies are, are in focus here. So there's none of the low stuff. You know, if there was more low stuff, it would add a, a different element. Um, so it's still generally kind of high and, and uh, ethereal and pretty kind of, but it still has balance. And so that's the important thing about this thing. So it's there's not really much to say about this tune. It's pretty simple, but uh, I like its dual functionality and I really like for how simple it is, it has a lot of interesting things happening um, that you can focus on and kind of go back and forth between. And uh, really, there's different things to enjoy about this this little track, as simple as it is. So, um, so that's the Great Fairy Fountain slash file select music for Legend of Zelda. I know we talked about it a little bit in Donkey Kong. Um, so this one kind of has a different tone. You know, it starts you off very, very lightly. Um, because once you start getting into the game, that's where a lot of the more intense music is, you know? So, uh, the file select music in, in these particular games is kind of, kind of out of the way. So it, it doesn't overload you with too much intense music. So that's why I really like this track. Number nine. Okay, for number nine, I'm actually going to talk about it first and then play it for you because there's two different versions I want you to listen to. So there's a, um, a version that came out in the original. It came out in 1987. Uh, this would be uh, from Zelda II, The Adventure of Link. And then there's an updated version for uh, Super Smash Brothers Melee, which came out in the uh, early 2000s, I believe. So I want you to hear this tune and how it compares in kind of the older, you know, the older classic sound with the pulse waves and all that stuff, and then the uh, up, more of an updated orchestral version. So you can kind of hear the difference between how they sound. But anyway, so yeah, number nine, my pick for number nine on my list is the temple music. Uh, temples are a are an integral part of the Legend of Zelda games. Um, every game, it seems like, has, you know, th these temples. These are the, the main... These are the main objectives of each game. As you go into these temples, you beat a, a, a major boss, and you get an item or some sort of token that helps you complete the game. So temples are kind of a main feature of Zelda games, and 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 that's where most of your toughest challenges are going to be. So naturally, you're going to have you're going to want to have music uh, for these sections uh, that is much more intense. So we're kind of going from the Great Fairy Fountain, like I talked about you know, very calm, and then here's the storm, right? Once we get into the game, this is where um, the major action takes place. So you have music for these, you know, very hostile environments. In addition to, there's going to be, we're going to listen to some music later on. Uh, look at that, I keep foreshadowing uh, ahead in the in the list here. But we're going to hear later, we're going to hear music for um, just general, you know, enemy encounters for, for smaller bosses. Um, and I'll explain a, a little bit more about that later. Um, so we're going to hear a specific fighting music. We're going to hear a specific combat music. But then you've got the temple music, so you have the the overall environmental music that's happening while you're in these very perilous environments before you get to the uh, the boss battles. So it should have tension, but not so much that there's an obvious danger yet because you're still exploring uh, a little bit. So there should be more of a, a mysterious kind of an exploration element to the music, but still be kind of intense, you know. So it's kind of hard to describe, but... 
uh, that's what we're talking about with this with this temple music and it's usually different in every game but this and in the later games the temples ha- have different themes there there's like the water temple and and spirit temple there's different um, there's different elements to these uh, temples that make them uh, they feel different so like they you know as the game as the franchises progress they've kind of developed these uh, these temples to have different thematic elements to the game and whatnot to give you like different environments to challenge yourself in. But in these, in the original games, temples are kind of more generic. You know, they have several rooms or they're dungeons. Like we talked about with the fairy fountain, we talked about in the previous tune, how the main focus is the arpeggio, the, uh, the arpeggiated melody that you hear continuously. Um, so and that's that's the main focus with stuff happening on the uh, above and below that in the frequency range. Well, with this piece, you'll notice that there there's an arpeggiation that's happening and a and a kind of a a frantic kind of a counterline that is not the main focus. So in in this piece, you'll hear that the main melody is sitting on top. Sometimes, most of the time, you're going to hear the melody on top, but there's going to be times where. Uh, the melody kind of sits in the middle, um, like we hear in the in the Great Fairy Fountain music. So listen to that with this with this temple music. How there's a in the middle ground. There's kind of a there's a, a counter melody that's kind of going on. That's kind of adding a little bit extra push to the melody. And then the the actual melody is sitting on top, so it's very audible. And also it just kind of rings out over the top of everything. So and you'll hear. And so when I play the the newer version, I want you to hear how the melody is presented with real orchestration as opposed to just a really high pulse sound or a pulse wave sound. So uh, so like once you once the orchestral elements are added, it, it definitely makes it sound a lot more interesting and you can hear all the parts more clearly. So what I was talking about with the Great Fairy Fountain, basically I was talking about uh, like a foreground, middle ground, background textures, just like a, either a painting. Hopefully that kind of makes sense in terms of a, this is how we think as as composers in terms of like what's the main focus and then uh, what's kind of the secondary focus that's kind of complementary and then what's the, the anchor that's holding everything together on the bottom. And that's the beauty of music is that roles can change throughout the course of a piece. So when you listen to it, I want you to hear like the different layers to this. Like there's several layers um, to what's going on and they're going at different paces so there's there's kind of a like I said with the last piece there's a sort of balance there that keeps everything together keeps it cohesive so so yeah just like a painting where like you know there's there's lots of different focus like focal points on the painting uh well it depends I, I'm thinking of like a, a like a nature piece but it could be like a person like a portrait or something but like thinking of like a nature piece like something Bob Ross would do you know, there's like several little focal points, like the happy little bush and all that stuff. But there's a common element that brings it all together. Like maybe the weather is is what's common, you know, something that ties everything together. So same thing with this music. It's just really beautifully written. I, I don't think there's anything really um, too deep here that I need to get into. But it's just kind of emphasizing a different way that we can th- hear a music and which which elements in, in a piece can, you know, stand out and which is more... Uh, what's more of supporting material. So uh, that's kind of what I wanted to emphasize with this music. So here is the original uh, from the 1987 game, uh, and then I'll play a little bit of the version from Super Smash Brothers that's kind of updated. So you can kind of hear how it translates and what instruments are used to emphasize that change. 
And I should clarify that actually the uh, Hyrule Temple that I'm referring to is actually it was created for Super Smash Brothers. Actually, like that the that stage that you fight on is just kind of a generic temple. It's not anything f- uh, in reference to the Adventure of Link, the 1987 game. But they just like reuse the music, so uh, it doesn't really matter like where the music comes from. It's more the emphasis for me is on. Uh, how it's been translated over like a 15 year span or whatever. Okay, here it is. Number eight on this list goes to the Song of Time and more specifically the Temple of Time music from The Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time. This is probably one of the most iconic themes in all of Legend of Zelda. You hear it a lot. And the reason why I picked it for this list is because you remember how I was just talking about with the last couple of songs, you know, the different like foreground, middle ground, background layers that these songs have and a lot of video game tracks have and they're even more complex than the, they get even more complex than the ones I talked about. Um, the, the ones I mentioned are a little less complex, um, but they still have some elements to them that, you know, create a little bit of extra interest and support what's going on melodically. Well, this, and I emphasize again how, you know, the composers of Legend of Zelda, Koji Kondo and all those other guys, when they write music for The Legend of Zelda, they have a purpose to everything. Nothing is uh, unintentional. Um, there's a reason for everything that they do with their with their music. And so you hear, in this case, the Temple of Time music is very much reminiscent of Gregorian chant from the uh, from the Catholic Church. So in the past, we've heard a melody uh, with different supporting elements kind of thrown in, either underneath or above. Uh, and like with the Temple song, the, the previous song on this list, uh, the melody was on top, and then you had a lot of stuff filling in underneath, and then the Great Fairy Fountain music, we had the melody kind of in the middle, like the main feature was in the middle, and then so like a counter melody underneath and then like a sustaining string sound uh, on top of it. Uh, but in the case of the Song of Time and the Temple of Time music, we have just a single melodic line with no accompaniment whatsoever. Everything that you need to hear is in just that one melody line, and it's just so beautiful, and it's very reminiscent of, of early church music. And Because when you walk into the uh, Temple of Time in the game, it's just a big, wide-open space. There's nothing in it except the Master Sword, like the, the most glorious 
collectible item that you that you possibly get in the Legend of Zelda. Um, it's the Master Sword. It's it's Link's uh, iconic weapon. So it, it's a big deal. And and in this first game that it's used, it's used in later games too. Um, also in Majora's Mask, the next game chronologically in the series. It's the most important item you collect in any of those games, so it's it's the iconic weapon. So yeah, for there to just be one melodic statement with nothing else going on, it's it really fits the mood. It fits what's going on. Um, it's very it's a very patient melody. You notice how slow it is. Um, it's not going very fast, and like uh, there's tons and tons of like reverb, uh, like a big church kind of an echo. Like, like the notes kind of bleed into each other and it makes this really interesting dissonance even though the melody itself isn't really dissonant it's more of just like a straight minor key and it's really impressive too considering you know with these earlier games you had to deal mostly with midi sounds so you don't get these really realistic um, instruments and, vo and voices vocals that you, uh, you would hear in a modern video game today so you know they kind of have to disguise the fact that the voice isn't totally realistic and so, like, this, these extra effects that they put on it um, not only makes it sound a little bit more, like, kind of saturated, um, but it also gives it more of a realistic sound. So I think it's just, it works really well. Uh, there's not a lot to it. It's just a beautiful melody. It kind of, it's reminiscent kind of also of Halo. Well, this game, <laughs> this came out before Halo, but maybe the Halo theme was actually based on the Temple of Time music. I don't know. So the Song of Time, and that's why I picked the Temple of Time version, because you hear it in different forms, and you even get to play it. Link plays it on his ocarina um, in the series. So, so that main theme comes up a lot, but this version that we have in the Ocarina of Time video game, it might be the best version of it just because it's so plain and simple. So that's why I like this piece, uh, Song of Time, coming in at number eight. One of my favorite things about the Legend of Zelda franchise and the music is their ability to change tone throughout the course of the game uh, without really throwing it off and still kind of maintaining the general aesthetic of the game. And so a lot of the music that we've listened to already has either been kind of, you know, light and colorful or very intense and bombastic. But we also have, there's also kind of a whimsical element to this music that we haven't really talked about yet. And that whimsical element comes through in such tracks as uh, the horse race theme that you hear in Ocarina of Time and then again in Majora's Mask. So throughout the series you get a horse companion that you ride around on and helps you get around faster and that character's name is Epona. And Epona has a theme that you hear a lot. Uh, I really like that theme too, but there's different uh, sort of country-influenced tracks in this game. And my favorite one is when you're actually riding Epona and doing these trials, you know, uh, like to practice your horseback riding skills. And then in Majora's Mask, I think this is used again uh, for a dog race. Like you bet, it's really funny, you bet on dogs to win this race because you try to get money and, com uh, and complete tasks uh, for doing it. So it's just a really kind of a fun, it's one of the more fun, upbeat tracks in the game, and that's why I really like it. 
Um, so from a compositional standpoint, you know, I just, I really love the bass line. It's a very traditional country bass line. Uh, very simple, kind of hitting the, the root and the fifth of, the, of each chord. And then you have a great um, banjo line that kind of, it plays the, the horse galloping rhythm uh, that you've probably heard in a lot of stuff. So you hear this, uh, I'll play it on my, my desk here. Right, so you have that rhythm that you hear a lot. It sounds like a, a horse galloping, right? Well, you actually hear this rhythm in the banjo, and it's really fun. Uh, so the banjo is performing a, a couple of functions. You know, it's performing a rhythmic function and a chordal function. So it's it's outlining each chord, and it's really fun to listen to. Even if you don't really like, you know, country music today, I know has taken a a really weird turn, and it's kind of you know very heavily rock influenced, and it's gone all these different directions. But like true country music, if you if you listen to it, it's really kind of enjoyable. And then there's a really fun tag team between uh, the harmonica and the fiddle playing the melody. So you have kind of this back and forth thing happening. It's just such a, an enjoyable track to listen to. And that's why I chose it for this list is because it's sort of unlike a lot of the other music that you hear in these games, especially in Ocarina of Time and Majora's Mask. There's a there's definitely a specific um, tone to uh, to both of those games. They're they're different tones, but still um, very different from the country music. So obviously the country music that you hear is more kind of out of character from the rest of the game. Not quite, but um, it still it still works within the realm of of the mood of the game. But it's just unusual because it's emphasizing a different place. You're in a different environment in the game. So I really enjoy it. It's a great, just kind of a fun instrumental track. And what I want to actually do is I want to play for you a little bit of a rearrangement of that, a reconstruction of that for uh, the Goron race that you do in Majora's Mask. So you actually hear this original version in both games, I think. Um, but then in Majora's Mask, you transform into what's called a Goron, which is one of these creatures that, you know, lives in a mountain. Uh, and it's very big. I should maybe also play um, some of the Goron theme for you, the Goron City music. Uh, I don't believe it's on this list, so I should at least put it in here because it's still a nice piece of music. And you can kind of hear the the combination of styles here that are happening with the Goron music and then the horse race theme. It's the same uh, horse race music because you're, what you do as a Goron is you can roll around really fast, and so you have to race these other Gorons at one point in the Majora's Mask game. So listen to the Goron version of the horse race theme. It's really funny. It really kind of brings a lightheartedness to Zelda, because so far we've only really talked about, you know, really intense music. And Legend of Zelda really isn't like that. Well, it is like that, but it has other dimensions to it too. So this music is really important for the franchise, I think. So I, I had to include it on this list. So, so here's the Goron theme, and then I will play the Goron race music right after that, just so you can kind of hear the, the blending of styles. It's really fun.
yeah, so the funny thing about the Goron race music is I don't even know if you can really hear it when it's playing um, because you're so focused on what's going on and there's a lot of loud sound effects kind of when you're when you're doing the race. So I don't even know if you can really hear it. I never really noticed it originally when I play the game, but it's super fun and you know it's the exact same tune as the original, uh, but it's got its own flair to it. So I really like it. All right, that's number seven. Number six. Staying in more of the uh, whimsical, adventurous realm for this next uh, spot on my list uh, is actually a new game that we haven't talked about yet, Wind Waker. Um, this is a very nice game. It's got a very different visual look to it. So the and of course the music follows suit. It's a very the the scoring style is a little bit different, and obviously it's a little newer. So there's you know more realistic sounding instruments. There's different things you can do orchestrally uh, that kind of make the music stand out a little bit more and kind of give you clear defined musical parts and just really nice arrangements that really bring the whole thing together and better sounds that can really capture the uh, the essence of the game and what the essence of of this game wind waker is it's more of a nautical themed game because you're traveling across uh, a large body of water at this point um in the previous games you've been traveling you know across hyrule field um grassy areas you know but in this game it's mostly water you're sailing across the water uh and stopping at little individual islands so the music i chose is actually kind of from the beginning more of the beginning of the game uh when you meet these uh these pirates and you're basically i don't want to get into the whole story of the game but you basically are uh, end up joining uh with this band of pirates and of course, you know, this game is for, you know, a general audience. So these pirates are kind of goofy, you know, they're silly. So the music kind of reflects that in this case, the uh, this pirate ship music. And there's a couple different versions I'm going to play. I'm going to play the main pirate theme, and then I'm going to play uh, the music that you hear once you're inside the ship. Um, it's basically the same thing, but you can just hear two different versions of it. Um, and I want to point out first and foremost that the... The instrument playing the melody in the bigger orchestral version is the tuba, and normally we kind of make fun of the tuba for being kind of the joke instrument in the band. But in this case, the tuba is playing the theme, is playing it very nobly. Like there's a very noble quality to this theme uh, and the way it's being presented. So you have this really nice theme, and I know it's kind of weird to say, but in a way, it's it has kind of a sort of groove that's a little bit infectious. Like it kind of gets into your brain a little bit. Um, with it's, it's just a very simple kind of like we talked about with the country baseline. It's got a similar kind of a baseline where it's just focusing on the roots and the fifths. Uh, you know, it's very simple, um, but it's just got such a nice feel to it that I think it's it's very infectious. And you know, again, this is one of the more uh, fun and whimsical tracks that you listen to in the game because you know there's a lot of dramatic elements to the game too. Um, but this is one of your less serious elements, and that's why I really like that. These games are so flexible at doing that, and the the pirate theme is is such a fun thing to to play around with. Um, there's a lot of different ways you can kind of take it, and I really like what they did with it in this case. So, so kind of my main reasons for choosing this song were the the tuba, uh, the way the melody is presented, 
and then also just the fun nature of it both as a as the in the bigger orchestral version and then once you're inside the ship it changes a little bit slightly almost as if it's muffled you know as if the band is playing on the ship outside and then you come inside a little bit away from the music uh kind of comes down a little bit so um another one of the really fun songs to listen to in any of the uh, zelda games and also just the fact that it's Wind Waker, you know, it's a lot, very highly regarded video game. Um, it's, it's pretty different from the other ones. Um, and it's got a great soundtrack that it's, that's all its own. It really, uh, it really stands out, especially with so many other really iconic and memorable themes, uh, written throughout the franchise. Number five. Okay, so we're going back to more of an action cue for this next spot on my list, and we're going back to Ocarina of Time to talk about the middle boss music from Ocarina of Time. And as I talked about before, the temples are kind of a, a major part of The Legend of Zelda. That's where you challenge your skills. That's, uh, that's, where, that's where your most difficult tests uh, happen in each of these games. And, you know, these middle bosses, these aren't the final bosses, but they're very important bosses. They, they happen somewhere in the middle of the temple and they're important because they usually are guarding a key item that you're supposed to obtain in order to finish the game. You can't finish the game without it. So these are important bosses so the music should kind of reflect that. It's not the most intense, it doesn't sound uh, like a final boss battle of any kind, but um, there's still a great sense of urgency with this music so that's why I really like it. And so one of the biggest ways that this sense of urgency and danger is reflected in the music is in the six-bar phrases. You'll notice that there's kind of an unusual phrasing in this piece of music. There's th they're basically uh, kind of in sets of three, um, three or six as opposed to, f to four or eight. So there's a sense of urgency like kind of getting into the next section and kind of the building uh, tension that's happening throughout the piece. And then the other thing that I really like is the kind of the slapback effect that you get, like the snare drum's kind of going at a consistent pace, and you know the snare drum is a very uh, specifically used instrument. It's not uh, um, it's not used in many situations unless it's you know kind of you it really needs to accent something. So it's really uh, emphasizing the pulse here in this particular uh, track, and then you also kind of have like the timpani as well that's kind of adding some punctuation to each measure. And it's kind of like, they're, they're kind of double hits, so you kind of get the slapback effect, almost like a like a slapback reverb or some sort, some sort of a delay, something like that. And then when the horns come in, that, that same thing happens. So you've got kind of got this double hit, this kind of a slapback that happens, and it really kind of emphasizes the, the nature of the, uh, you know, you're under attack, like the way these attacks are all very um, sharp and accented really kind of makes you feel like you're in a battle situation and it's not it's not overly dramatic it's not like a boss battle it's pretty uh it's pretty plain instrumentation there's nothing too unusual about it there's just some really strong percussion and brass attacks that are happening but there's not a whole lot uh, of unusual stuff happening here normally like for the ganondorf battle you would hear like organ like a church organ and that really kind of conjures a picture of true evil you know when when he's like you he you walk into the uh final boss battle and he's just playing the organ and it's so cool he's just so casually waiting for link to show up it's it's so badass but yeah there's there's nothing quite as unusual and intense as that um and usually highly more dissonant this isn't really dissonant music this middle boss battle music 
I mean, there is some dissonance, but it's not quite as uh, it's not quite as strong. So there's a little bit of a pull, but it's mostly just kind of a repetitive piece of music that just keeps cycling through until you're done with the battle. So it's it has that sense of wanting to go somewhere, but it doesn't really go anywhere. Um, but there still is that sense of urgency. So it kind of gives you that sense that you're really in the middle of this temple and. Uh, you're not quite done yet, you know, this is like the kind of a checkpoint basically. So that's why I really like this particular piece of music. There's a lot of great boss battle music, uh, including the final boss battles in all these games. And then, you know, and then there's like the kind of the, the temporary battle music when you're fighting smaller enemies. Um, but this middle boss battle music is kind of, I don't know if it's, it feels kind of underrated to me. It's, uh, it's something that people aren't really aware of when it comes to making a boss battle. You have to make a boss battle that's exciting and makes you feel like you're getting somewhere, but at the same time it tells you that there's still more, more to go. And so I really like this. The middle boss battle music from Ocarina of Time is uh, one of my more, uh, one of my favorite pieces in this game. You know, and again, with so many, you know, iconic themes, it's hard to really pick, pick this stuff out, but uh, that's why I had to include it in this list because it's uh, it's really fun and there's some cool effects kind of thrown in. It's more of a, an effect-driven piece of music as opposed to uh, really melodically driven. Number four. Call me crazy, but this might actually be my favorite track in all of Legend of Zelda. Uh, in all honesty, I, I put it at number one on my list, except uh, it doesn't carry as much weight as three through one. So I can't really, in all good conscience, put it as number one, even though it kind of is my favorite track. Uh, in all of Legend of Zelda. And of course what I'm talking about is the shop theme from most of the Legend of Zelda games. It's pretty much been the same. Uh, again, this is more, I think, Ocarina of Time, Majora's Mask that we're talking about, so the older games. But it, it really just is one of the most fun pieces of music that's that you hear in, in any of these games. It's just a nice kind of a medium bright cha-cha feel. I, it's so much fun and it's and when you talk about out, uh, character, and talking about how like the pirate ship music was a, a little bit maybe out of character, a little bit unusual uh, for a Legend of Zelda game. Uh, the shop theme is even more out of character than that, I think. So, but it still works really well. So it's just one of my favorites. Um, not much to say about it other than it's really kind of a nice change up from the other music that you hear because um, it, it is kind of a one of the main themes in, in the game because uh, you visit a lot of different shops between those between those two games but you're not hearing it all the time, so it's kind of a nice change of pace whenever you reach one of the shops. Um, and it's just kind of fun, you know, it's almost kind of like elevator music, you know, shopping, you kind of, you kind of feel like you're in a, in a shopping mall kind of a thing, kind of listening to, listening to this music. Um, so it really kind of has a nice effect, and it's a good break, because uh, most of the time you're hearing the Hyrule Field theme, uh, and you're hearing, you know, the various temple themes and, and all that stuff. Um, so there's a lot of reoccurring things that themes that are kind of spaced out, but the shop theme's kind of a, a different one because it's not quite as you don't quite hear it as often, and it's not too repetitive where it gets really irritating. I think it's a really fun melody, 
and yeah, it's just so different from anything else that you hear in these games that it kind of adds a nice, another dimension to it. Uh, but it just has a nice place in the game, and you always kind of feel like you're kind of in a safe haven, you know, whenever you reach one of those shops. Um, you're never worried about uh, what's going on. It's like your chance to stock up and get more items so you can get back out there into the, into the fray. So it just kind of feels like a little oasis from everything else that's going on. So, so that's why I like the shop theme from those original games. Uh, it's just real, a really fun track to listen to, and uh, it's not, it doesn't quite carry as much weight as the, uh, the last few songs on this list, but, but it has a special place for me, and so I, I had to share it with you. And uh, that's pretty much it. That's number four. Number three. Number three, we have sort of the main theme from The Legend of Zelda Twilight Princess. I'm going a little bit newer now, uh, something that's come out in more recent years that still captures the magic of Legend of Zelda. This one in a little bit of a different way, though. Uh, most of the, the older games are, you know, more, uh, more focused towards kids, I guess. I wouldn't want to say it's a kid's game, but... Um, definitely like a younger demographic was playing those games, but now with the Twilight Princess You kind of have that same demographic that's grown up. So there's a little bit more of a dark tone. There's a darker tone with this uh, With this theme and this game overall, you know, there's Link turning into a wolf and you've got all these different things going on So Twilight Princess definitely has a little bit of a different spin But still really with this theme still feels like a Legend of Zelda game even if it's a different tone and even as recently as uh, Breath of the Wild, I think they keep wanting to take uh, the Legend of Zelda series in new and different directions and see where they can go with it. So at this at the time, Twilight Princess was definitely a little bit different direction uh, than what we were used to seeing, but still very much in the realm of Zelda. It still felt like a Zelda game, just more seemed a little more serious, um, better graphics, better animation. So everything just seems more realistic at this point. So this is the main theme pretty much. I think the Hyrule Field theme that you hear throughout the game. It's kind of the principal theme of this game. And there's some cool things about it, like it references, there's a lot of references to the, uh, a lot of the original music, in particular the main theme, the original Zelda theme, which we have yet to talk about, by the way, spoiler alert. Um, yeah, so it's kind of referencing some, it has some of the same motifs as you would hear in some of those earlier themes that we've come to know and love, and we've grown up with those themes. Um, and we've talked a little bit about motif in the past on on this podcast. In the Lord of the Rings episode, we talked about leitmotif, and that's uh, musical ideas or, or statements given to uh, particular characters that match characters or settings. But now we're just kind of talking about motif in general, and that's like any uh, repeated idea that keeps coming back in different forms or even the same, even the same way. So you have these motifs that come back, and, and the first one that you hear is right, right away, right at the very beginning, the intro of the piece is the 16th note uh, ascending line, and that's all over the, uh, the original theme. Um, so you can hear that at the beginning of this track as well. You have, but it's in a minor key as opposed to, I think it's major. It's a major uh, one, two, three, four, five uh, in the original theme, but this is a minor one, two, three, four, five up the scale. So it's a, so it's slightly different. See, there's just a very little change, but see that it's when taking it from major to minor, that's just, the, even that slight difference gets you that change in tone. 
So I really like things like that. And then another kind of, and then sort of a rhythmic motif that we've been hearing, uh, that we've heard in the past and we've already talked about in this episode is the, uh, you, know, you remember this, the, the horse race rhythm, you know, that one eighth, two sixteenths uh, rhythm that repeats over and over. We have that in the snare drum in this song. And so you can hear how, you know, it gives you that, uh, that feeling of motion, that forward motion and traversing, you know, uh, traversing tough territory and that kind of stuff. So even though it's not referencing Epona in this case specifically, it's more, but you, you have Link that turns into a wolf in this one. Uh, I won't get into all, the whole story of this one either, but basically Link becomes a wolf. You have the four-legged animal thing happening. So you still have that, you have that sense of uh, forward motion, that kind of a galloping rhythm. And so just those couple of motifs alone and, you know, combined into one piece of music, and then you hear some syncopation, like kind of in the strings and stuff like that, to give you that sense of like constant motion. That's like constant. It's never settling, right? It just keeps moving forward. And not just the syncopation, by the way, but the way the syncopation counteracts the the main melody. The main melody is just quarter notes at, at, toward the beginning. So you have this kind of a contradiction going on, and it really and this kind of weird juxtaposition of rhythms that kind of creates this bounciness too that also keeps it moving forward. So not just the syncopation, but, way the, but the way the syncopation and the rhythmic accompaniment interacts with the melody. So all these different elements get, get this forward motion happening, so you really feel like it's like a traveling song. You know, you, you, you want to hear this while you're, while you're moving around because it's, it makes you feel like you want to keep going. It doesn't sit, in, it doesn't sit or stall anywhere. Um, same thing, like, if you were to go and listen to the uh, original Hyrule Field theme from Ocarina of Time, you would hear something similar, but the Ocarina of Time Hyrule Field theme is uh, much brighter. It's a little bit happier because, you know, you know it's, uh, uh, we've, we're introduced to this big, you know, this new giant open space. We, we aren't used to this in games. Like, with the advent of 3D technology in these games, three-dimensional gaming, you know, now you have these sprawling worlds, right? And so we have it's it's supposed to be very exciting, but now um, it takes a darker turn in this case. So you know, it's the Twilight Princess is a very dramatic uh, video game, as opposed to you know, and and I've I've kind of said this throughout, but Legend of Zelda has always kind of felt like a cinematic kind of a work, you know, even you know, the most cinematic thing that Nintendo has to kind of rival that of like a, a Halo game or something like that. So with Twilight Princess, you get a lot of the same motifs, and that's why it sounds the same as uh, other previous music, but not quite the same, as you're using basically the same building blocks, but just it's a little bit different structure. So this theme is great because it's kind of a callback to the original while still taking things in a new direction, which is what I really think the, the, the guys at Nintendo really wanted to achieve out of this. And, you know, this theme, this is kind of the, the big... This is the big musical statement for this game and for this direction that the franchise is going. So, and then when you catch up to like Breath of the Wild, there's a lot more experimental uh, orchestral stuff going on that it just gets further and further away from where they started. And that's just what Legend of Zelda is. It's traversing these big worlds and overcoming obstacles and things like that. So this franchise is really, and, and this theme is really indicative of where they've been and where they're going now. So I really like the uh, Twilight Princess theme. It accomplishes a lot of goals within just this one piece of music. So that's why it has to be in my list. It has to be in the top three.
Number two. Zelda's Lullaby is by far one of the most well-known and iconic themes, and not just in the Legend of Zelda series, but uh, in video games and video game composition as a whole. After all, the name of the game is called The Legend of Zelda, so um, it should be one of the more recognizable themes that they've come up with. And the version I chose to represent this theme is actually the version from Skyward Sword. I know it's sort of a cop-out that I didn't actually have a unique track from Skyward Sword to put on this list, but I felt that this arrangement was so good that it had to be on here. And let me tell you why this arrangement is so good. First of all, first of all, when you listen to it, there's a different instrument that states the theme um, every time it happens. So it's a simple kind of A-A-B kind of structure. So the first statement of the melody is played by clarinet, then the second statement of the A section is stated by the oboe, and then it, the handoff between the oboe to the flute to play the B section, it's the same note in the same octave, so it's just it's this really cool effect when the melody is handed off. So not only is the tune fantastic, but the arrangement is exceptional. You've got that beautiful harp that's outlining the chord progression, and then the strings just add a nice touch to everything. It kind of, you know, wraps everything up in a nice bow. It's just a phenomenal arrangement. So I think for that, for that reason alone, I had to pick this particular arrangement. Now, as far as the tune, it's one thing to just say, yeah, it's iconic. But what really makes it iconic? I think just the simplicity of it. I mean, we've talked about it before with different pieces of music, but really simplicity is everything. It's a very simple song form. It's very clearly arranged, like there's not a whole lot, it's not very muddy, like it's very clear. You can hear the melody very prominently, and the harmony is not too dense, like you can really hear everything that's going on. Just the timbre of each instrument, just the, the, the collection of instruments chosen, you know, from the original theme, even when you're starting out with, you know, uh, MIDI instruments and synthesized instruments, when you translate that into more of a realistic sounding uh, real orchestra, it just you know, it breathes new life into it so um, choosing those correct sounds to begin with, even though the arrangement is only part of what makes the tune great having those, making those initial decisions as to how to score it it makes it easier to translate into a later form so, like, really, this th this tune has stayed the same, too. I think that's another thing that makes it iconic, is that it hasn't changed much. The arrangement changes, but you're not changing anything about the tune. It's not taking any weird new directions. Sometimes that happens, especially in movie scores, where you, where you have uh, an initial statement of the theme, like the main theme of the movie. Uh, like, the, so I'll just throw out an example, The Incredibles, um, where you hear that statement of the theme, dun 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 and then you hear different variations of that throughout the movie, it's, but it never quite hits you the same way. It's either disguised somewhere, or, you know, it's messed around with, so it has, like, slightly, so it goes in a slightly different direction sometimes. But this has always stayed the same pretty much in every game. Uh, it's the same tune, so I think not just... So it's not only a, just a fundamentally solid piece of music, well-written, um, but it hasn't changed. So I think it's been able to get into people's consciousness uh, more easily. And so it's just a beautiful piece of music. And just the way it's, and just the way it's used within the games as well, um, it just kind of brings you off of this high of, you know, just beating Ganondorf or beating whoever. 
um, and then it just all of the it, all the emotion sets in that you've just beaten this game because usually I think it, it usually comes at the very end when you save Zelda when Link saves Zelda that's when you hear it so you know it kind of brings you down back to earth kind of and it's just very sentimental um, there's not much more you can say about it other than that it's just fantastic it's one of the more beautiful pieces of music written especially without having words in it it's pretty impressive so Zelda's Lullaby number two one of the most iconic pieces of music from Legend of Zelda but there's one more that I think is maybe even a little bit more iconic Okay, come on, you can't really be surprised that the original overworld theme from the original Legend of Zelda would not make this list, and it has to be number one because it is so iconic, but also, but the funny thing is, it's iconic as it's transformed over the years. It's stayed iconic no matter what version you hear it in. It sounds great in every game of the franchise. It sounds great in Super Smash Brothers. Uh, it sounds great everywhere. You know, even people like that have created their own arrangements of the theme have, have made some great arrangements because it's just so universal. Um, so this is an iconic theme that can be changed a little bit and still sound great. You're gonna hear a little bit of some different versions of the theme just to prove my point here. Uh, that it just sounds great. Um, it's and the key that it's in it's in the key of B flat And it just seems like the key of B flat to our ears is just a really nice key to hear songs And it's a very bright it has a very bright tone to it I guess of where it is in the register of most instruments. It just fits well um, so it has a very uplifting nature to it. I've, I've talked to some people I think there's a lot of science behind the fact that different keys produce different emotions uh, for songs And I think B flat is one of the more uplifting key centers So when you start a song there on that key it kind of it has more of a, it has a brighter tone that I think it really translates well and the other thing I really like about this theme is that really everything we've talked about up to this point is in somehow involved in this main theme. We've talked about, you know, layering even back at the beginning. We talked about some layering, some foreground, middle ground, background things that are happening. Um, and even in the 8-bit version, it's these elements are reflected. Um, there's like kind of call and response type things. So there's things happening high, middle, and low that uh, really all have a chance to shine in this theme. And, and no matter what arrangement you create out of it. It has really strong motifs, like you can hear that um, at the very beginning of the melody pretty much you have that 16th note uh, run up the scale a little bit, uh, just like we heard in the Twilight Pri in Twilight Princess, but now this is the, the in the major key, so it is even more uplifting, and it's just so heroic, you know, so... Uh, it's, and it's kind of got that fanfare type thing that we talked about with the uh, ending credits music of, uh, of A Link to the Past. So we have lots of different elements incorporated, um, and then also the tones. We've talked about Legend of Zelda has taken on different tones throughout the series. Well, this one has a little bit of the heroic fanfare. It has a little bit of the dramatic aspects. Uh, it has a little bit of a whimsical element to it, you know, in terms of, uh, definitely in terms of orchestration, it's kind of whimsical, but it also kind of has that, like, kind of a carefree floating feeling to it as kind of a contrasting emotion. You know, it really captures the spirit of The Legend of Zelda as a whole. 
um, and just the whole concept of an, of a huge adventure exploring vast landscapes and you know fighting warlocks and zombies and you know weird sea creatures you know it's just it, it really encompasses the, the spirit of the hero's journey and so that's why I think that you can't just say that it's well it's iconic just because no there's a reason for that it's it's iconic because of what it represents and you know the impact it has on people like there's a reason for that it doesn't just happen you know it just it captures a whole big fantasy world that you just really want to be a part of you want to feel like you're in it and you know it's one of Nintendo's best franchises overall for as many unique and iconic characters as they've created over the years, Legend of Zelda has really stood out um, as a complete package, you know? Um, and they've even got even a, a TV show. They got a TV show out of it. Um, watch the cartoon. There's a, there's a cartoon that's pretty, uh, pretty bad, I think, but it's pretty, it's pretty funny at the same time. So um, see if you can find that somewhere. Uh, but yeah, the original Overworld theme from the 1986, the first installment, in the series uh, has to be number one couldn't really think of anything else that could even compete with it see even my favorite track the uh, the shop theme is not quite as epic as uh, as the main theme even though I really like the shop theme uh, you can't deny the impact that uh, Zelda's lullaby and of course the main overworld theme have had on gamers I think even the general public knows the Legend of Zelda a little bit so um, even if you never really played the game uh, faithfully, you probably still could recognize it. It's that uh, it's almost it's on par with Mario, I think. So, The Legend of Zelda, great series. I hope you enjoyed my top ten favorite tunes from The Legend of Zelda. I can't wait to talk more about uh, the music in these games, especially more Breath of the Wild and Skyward Sword, since I didn't really talk about that very much in this one. Uh, you know me, I'm more of a nostalgia kind of guy, so I kind of cover the old ones first. Uh, first and foremost, so I will get to more uh, Legend of Zelda music, and I'm sure by the time I do, there's going to be even more games to talk about, so uh, we can talk more about the evolution of those games. Um, so I hope you've enjoyed this top 11. I think a, a minute ago I said top 10, but I did actually talk about 11 tunes this time. Uh, I hope you enjoyed this top 11 list, and now to bring on my special guest. short on time but I wanted to make sure that I got my guest spot in here so I wanted to have Alex on really quick before we close this show how's it going really quick I'm gonna talk really quick <laughs> be serious this is serious business okay yeah we're talking about Zelda Legend of Zelda yeah so you um, have a lot more experience with these games than I do uh, mm. although I've played most of them but you you've played more than I have I didn't play Twilight Princess I've spent many many hours playing Zelda games so which ones of of all the ones that you've played which which soundtrack overall did you think have the best music you know I'm a sucker for 8-bit soundtracks mm -hmm. um, I really like the originals just because it gives the game such a, a specific tempo Right, the, the music. That's a good point. Yeah, the music drives you kind of in playing that game. Whereas yeah, your movement is kind of yeah. in line with what's happening in yeah in the music um, as well. Whereas as the as the um, 
series of games develops, then it's more of something that you enjoy for what it is as you travel around um, the maps and hear all the different um, like cultural sounds. Like Zelda right. has these cultural sounds in it. Yeah, I've always kind of admired that about the the series, how it's been able to kind of blend and incorporate different styles. Like uh, Wind Waker has kind of the pirate theme a little bit mm-hmm. and uh, more of the nautical adventure right. type of a feeling. Right. Um, yeah. But yeah, the 8-bit stuff is interesting because you're you're kind of limited into what you can put into it based on, like, you know, memory capabilities. and. I think it's uh, one of my favorite aspects of music that a song that's written in 8-bit that's produced in 8-bit like 30 years ago can still influence 30 years of games and just set a tone that cannot be broken or cannot be beaten. It's just really, really cool to hear. For sure. So is there an individual track or uh, anything in particular that what stuck out to you when you first started playing the games or, or li- listening to the music more closely, which ones did you kind of gravitate towards? Was there a specific... Was it a specific game in general? Because we talked about the 8-bit stuff, but I didn't know if there was a specific tune that... Um, I'm thinking maybe... Because we were listening to some tracks earlier of the Zelda 2... Is it the temple music? Probably. Or the boss music mm-hmm. or something... Is that what they use in Super Smash Brothers? Uh-huh. Yeah. Real nice. Yeah, I think Super Smash Brothers kind of whatever they've they've used in that, I've always kind of liked. And even if I didn't like it at first, I kind of it sort of grew on me. All those songs that they chose, like they you kind of like not all of them were ones that I really noticed either at first, and then I kind of went back and listened to after, you know, playing cuz we played Super Smash Brothers mm-hmm. a lot. So, um then all of a sudden you start to hear those those same songs. You go, oh yeah, like, and I guess that it kind of reinforces that in your mind, and yeah. so you you start to like it more uh, than you maybe would have if you had heard the original first. I don't know. Yeah, that 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 is a little true for me as well. Other uh, honorable uh, uh, honorable mentions. Honorable mentions are. Uh, I've always loved the Goron music, and in, in Ocarina of Time, mm-hmm. the um, her <laughs> the, the the sound of the yeah. kind of the Goron sound it effect. It sounds like these little toy horns, and it's just like yeah, I think so cheerful and like dinky for I, such. It like the characters in the games are like these big rock, you know, kind of golem things. Right. And, I think that sound that they use is called a, a cuica. It's like a Latin instrument, mm. a Latin percussion instrument. A cuica or a quiqueg? Uh, not the second one. Okay. Okay. Uh, I really, I, I don't know if I even pronounced the word right, but uh, I think that's what it is. So you kind of got that, <laughs> yeah. Kind or, of, or, 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 you or. like take a cloth and you rub this thing. I, I don't know. So is it? How do you like? Can you control you, you the tone tr- on yeah, it? You, yeah, yeah. Uh huh. You would, it's like an you adjust the tone on is it. it so it's, is it a percussion instrument or? You know, I don't. I'll look that up really quick. You talk about something. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime, while I do that. Sure. Um, I like in Majora's Mask, talking about music, um, in the little, it's like a cantina or something in Clock Town where you go and as each character, because in that game you have a mask that turns you into a different race, so a Zora, a Goron. Right. Um, 
I love you go in there and you play the different instruments because each Goron has a, I mean, each uh, race has a dis- different instrument. Right. Yeah. And so hearing those is a really cool musical idea. That's not necessarily like. Yeah, and they combine all those instruments. Yeah, yeah a and, song and, from the game, but. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's a so it's a it's called it is called a cuica. It's a Brazilian friction drum with a large Ooh. pitch range. Yeah, so I was pretty much right. Uh, it's a fun instrument. It's kind of unusual. So it video games are a great chance to kind of mess around with some unusual instruments and maybe stuff that you haven't, uh, that you don't often hear. I was actually watching some videos on YouTube. Uh, this guy was talking about uh, the Breath of the Wild soundtrack, and we didn't really talk about that much in this episode uh, but I probably will talk about it in the future. But he was talking about the various um, uh, specific uh, Asian instruments that were used in the Breath of the Wild soundtrack. So it'll be interesting to talk more about that. So that even that's another dimension that I don't think they've really tapped into yet. Even though it's you know Nintendo is a Japanese company and all that stuff, um, they went really traditional. I think with this with that soundtrack. And then we also enjoy. Um, I've mentioned them before. Uh, on a previous, I think the Mario podcast, I mentioned their uh, their videos of Brental Floss, Brent Black, and then his friend Dave from the UK, who they've done Mario tracks, but then they've also done like a lot of Zelda tracks too. We just heard uh, he did A Link to the Past fairly recently, I think. Um, he wrote lyrics to that. And they're really fun. And then they, they've done this. If you if you haven't heard about them yet, which you probably have if uh if you're listening to this, you probably already know about Brental Floss, but they did, a, uh, I think a couple, a year, was it, how long ago was it? Was it a year or two ago? I think a couple years ago they did uh, a, an epic Ocarina of Time medley with lyrics where they took a whole bunch of songs and just kind of put them all together and made this big story out of it. This It's really great. It's like nine minutes long. Of Check that out too if you want to hear some more Legend of Zelda stuff. Other um, things, other things. Yeah. Uh, as a body of songs, I really like the temple music overall in the games. I think each one gives a really nice flavor of what's going on in the game. Each each unique temple? Each unique, unique temple, okay. yeah. Um, I also like... From the, like the later games, mm-hmm. the dungeons. The Twilight, yeah, the dungeons. In Twilight Princess, the soundtrack in that is very sparse. They're kind of playing with this idea of the twilight realm is kind of a shadow of the real world. So even the music is kind of hollow um, and very sparse. But I still like it. I think it does the game a great service. More kind of atmospheric. I kind of like the potion shop theme. Yeah. Uh, I've talked about the uh, the regular shop theme, but then there's also the potion shop that's kind of got its own, almost like an Indian, uh, like a spiritual thing going on i like the deku palace music mm-hmm. also something yeah. that uh oh i can't believe we didn't talk about this before what's really cool about zelda music is that they have all these different timelines mm-hmm. and time is a very uh integral part of the story of these games and they use the music in the games to kind of tell a story about what is happening in the Zelda universe. Say, for example, like, in one game we'll have the the Deku Forest, right? And then in Wind Waker, the concept is that the whole Zelda world has been flooded and that there's no 
ancient Zelda civilization where all these things were taking place in the past. So the music for the Deku or tree or whatever it is um, in that game, the music is related to the Deku forest, but it's very, oh, okay, yeah. it's very like inundated. It's overtaken. It's only bits and fragments of the original right uh kind of references yeah forest melody so it kind of references that but then also you know it it helps tell the story which is really cool yeah it gives a sense of continuity with the whole series so that's you know there's so many things we could go on and on about why the series is so great um we're a little bit over time already but i just wanted to kind of get some of our additional thoughts in about the legend of zelda series we'll be talking more about it in the near future so <laughs> but it was fun yeah just wanted to anything else you wanted to add that was that was a nice closing no, piece I thought. no thanks for having me on uh play zelda games they're awesome yep all right guys that's it for this episode i'm zach demas and you've been listening to the soundtrack if you like this episode and you want to hear more please subscribe via apple podcasts and also on youtube now i'm on youtube so go to the mute city music channel there and like and comment on these videos and share them with your friends. And yeah, like I said at the beginning of the show, go to my Facebook page. There should be a poll there. Uh, You can go and vote on some channel ideas that I've got cooked up. Uh, You can cast your vote and comment and tell me what you think of my ideas. If they suck, they suck. And and, uh, if there's any good ones on there, I'll focus on those. So uh, whatever, I'll leave it up to you guys. Whatever you guys think I should do for my YouTube channel. Uh, Because there's a lot of things I'd like to talk about in terms of music, uh, the music business, and uh, still mostly on the film, television, and video game stuff. Uh, But I can open it up to other music as well. Uh, It's up to you guys. So just tell me what you think. All right, and next episode, I'm super excited to announce that Jonathan Zimney will be back. We'll be talking all about James Bond, uh, all of the movies that have come out in the past uh, however many years. It's been 50, I guess, at least 50. I'm super excited. John and I, back in our college days, we did this big, epic uh, James Bond marathon where over the course of like three weeks leading up to the premiere of Skyfall, I think it was, uh, we watched all the movies, like we watched one movie a night, uh, chronologically leading up to the premiere of Skyfall. And we did a massive review at the end of that marathon where we talked about all things in the James Bond universe, and it was so much fun. Uh, but this next episode coming up at the end of August, we're going to be focusing on just the music, so it's going to be really fun. And, uh, you know, John's been on before, and you know how much fun he is. Uh, so I'm really excited to have him on uh, yet again to discuss one of our uh, one of our mutual favorite types of movies. And we're going to have a blast, so hopefully you'll join us. And also, when that next episode comes out, I have a very, very special surprise uh, for the one-year anniversary. The one-year anniversary of the Soundtrack Podcast launch is coming up in September, so I'm going to have a special announcement about that on the next episode as well. So until then, I hope you guys have a good month of August, and uh, I'll catch you next time. All right, peace.